I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today, we're talking Bat Books, which came out August 1996. As always, Amazon affiliate links for all books below, but I don't think that the Batman issues we're going to talk about are actually collected, but still there's going to be some Amazon affiliate links if you want to pick up some books from old shows, whatever. Uh, also, this show is up on YouTube, youtube.com slash Nick with a little bit of art. If you want to see some art with the uh, with us talking about the art, you can find it there. Those shows go up not as regularly as the podcast, but will go up eventually. <laughs> patience, patience. Jason, should we just jump right in? Because Batman 535 is a monster of an issue. Yeah, yeah, let's let, let's get to it. Let's let's hook up these wagons, these trains, these things. Batman 535, written by Doug Munch, penciled by Kelly Jones. Kelly Jones is back, by the way. He was off during the, the Batman Legacy event, and now he's back, thankfully. Yeah, probably got some sun. Yeah. Inked by John Beattie, colored by Greg Wright, seps by Android Images, lettered by Todd Klein, with edits by Denny O'Neill and associate editor Jordan B. Garfunkel. The cover depicts Batman being electrocuted at the temples while a new character, the ogre, quote unquote, looms behind him. The ogre is a very large man with a deformed head and metal sockets on the sides of his skull. He's wrapped in robes or cloth. This is the ogre and the ape. It's a 38 page special broken into 16 chapters. So we got a lot of book to get through. Kelly Jones is known for drawing a lot of details to kind of like boost the mood around title cards and that kind of thing. And this book is packed with it. No exception here. Like every chapter he's doing like a little drawing of Batman, like looming around like a crazy person. It's great. Well, yeah, well, he's Kelly Jones has always had this like uh, I I have this like penchant for I mean, you know, I have this penchant for uh, Art Nouveau and Mm -hmm. like. I always like, you know, I noticed that in Kelly Jones's like in, in his art and like it's just so much detail. But like with with him, it's so different because Art Nouveau usually has a much minute, thinner lines. And Kelly yeah, Jones, and he's is just, like thick black all the way. It, yeah, but still like hyper detail. Like it's fucking yeah. great. So he has Batman being a weird, creepy little dude across most of the chapter titles. And in in order to embrace that effect, I feel like I'm. I want to I want to help him out a little bit in audio. So mm. I'm going to put a thunder sound effect after every chapter title. Hell <laughs> so yeah. So let's let's get into it. Hell yeah. Chapter 1. 20,000 volts of vengeance. Ogre and his brother, quote unquote, an ape with intelligence, confront a doctor about a, the horrible experiments that made them this way. The doctor won't ever be prosecuted. And is going to get away scot-free with his crimes against humanity. So they deal out their own justice. The ape sedates the doctor and the ogre attaches electrodes to the doctor's temple. They murder him, melting his face. They call the cops to report the murder and flee the scene on rooftop because no one uses a door. Chapter 2. The Writing on the Wall Batman and Bullock get caught up on what's happened to the doctor by the mortician. Batman notices a strange symbol on the building where the murder happened. Chapter 3, Gothic Garrett. The ogre and the ape 
flee to their garret talking about how they were the only ones of their kind, unique, and it should stay that way. In a black and white flashback, we learn that Ogre used to be a homeless man, snatched off the streets with the promise of money to be experimented on. The ape captured and experimented on. The Ogre paints the same odd symbol on a canvas. I do honestly love a black and white flashback. It's just always like... We're going to get into it. They're so atmospheric and moody. Kelly Jones fit this book so well. We're going to get into it. But first, chapter four, Intelligence Squared. Batman finds that the deceased doctor is an endocrinologist specializing in gland disorders. The doctor spent a mysterious year in Gotham before he died. No records of what was going on. Chapter five, Man and Ape. Dr. Chopra another doctor finds the symbol that that the guy was the ogre was drawing on the canvas and that was on the building of the murder finds that symbol on his home and runs into the night screaming that they found him the ogre and ape capture him the ogre thinks it's odd that they can tell him and the ape apart because they quote crossed millennia to meet in the middle chapter six (laughs) murder one times two Alfred lets Batman know that there's been another murder. Same MO, same symbol. Dr. Chopra is dead. Chapter 7, Ogre's Evolution. The Ogre asks if the ape feels evolved as he feels devolved. In a black and white flashback, we found out that the doctors wanted to understand evolution and how to evolve man beyond what he is. To be a, a pinnacle of man, to understand it, they set out to create a missing link by devolving man and evolving ape. The ogre broke free of his chains before they could finish the experiment and kill him. He is the... (laughs) He and the ape struck out into the night. The ogre, now in regular color, paints a second symbol on his canvas. He calls it the Art of Vengeance. Chapter 8. Hardback's Hieroglyphics. Detective Hardback describes what graffiti means on the streets. That tags on top of tags means that there's a struggle happening and even can predict murder before it happens. He isn't familiar with the odd symbol at both crime scenes, though. Chapter 9. The Miracle Mistake Batman goes through the doctor's files and finds a reference to Project Miracle, a reference to Poe's story about a man who made an ape smarter in order to commit murder on his behalf. Chapter 10. The Gorillas of Gotham The ape picks the lock of the cage at a gorilla exhibit, at the zoo. He enters and gives that gorilla flowers. He is rejected. <laughs> Chapter 11. Canvas clues. Jason, Jason, keep a straight face. We gotta get through this. Gordon calls Batman to tell him that he's seen his strange symbols before at the Gotham Men's Club and at the Knight's Bridge Clinic. Batman tells Alfred that he needs a list of the doctors that go to both. Batman skips breakfast. Chapter 12. Gentlemen of Gotham. Bruce Wayne goes to a men's club and asks for membership and to see the membership list. He gets the name of a doctor, Jared Barinsky. Barzinski? I don't know. Barzinski? He gets a Dr. Jared. (laughs) Chapter 13. Miracle and Murder. Batman gets to Jared's apartment, but it's too late. The symbol's already painted on the wall. Batman spots the ape on the rooftop and goes up to fight him. He provokes the ape by using the word miracle, confirming that they are uh, related to the project, the ape and the miracle project. The ogre steps in and Batman's caught off guard. He didn't expect two two foes. They leave him bloody, but alive. 
Chapter 14, Erasure and Additions. Oracle starts digging into Project Miracle. Chapter 15, The Oracle's Advice. <laughs> Oracle figures out what happened and shares it with Batman. Everyone thinks what's happening is horrifying. 22 subjects dead. The ogre was subject 23. Meanwhile, the ogre and the ape have captured their next doctor and killed him. Chapter 16, Meeting in the Middle. Only two doctors left, and now Batman is too late with the first one. The fifth doctor is armed and ready. He shoots at Ogre, but the ape jumps in front of the bullet. He dies. The Ogre loses it, tries to electrocute him without sedation. Batman jumps in, stopping him just in the neck of time. Batman assures that the, the Ogre will pay in court, or assures the Ogre that the doctor will pay in court. The Ogre leaves, cradling the body of the ape. He is all alone now. The doctor's like, Batman, just let me go. I'm a doctor. That ogre is clearly a monster. He, sh he should stop the ogre. Batman backhands the doctor, knocking him out. <laughs> Next issue, <laughs> Night of the Man Bat. Jason. Hell yeah. What did you think of Batman 535? Well, first off, I, wanna, I, I, I love the recap. I love all the... Mm, mm. The, 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 thank you. Thank you. The chapters uh, clearly had a great effect on you. The yeah, I when I was when I was reading it, I was like the, the chapter breaks, even though it's like literally every scene is a chapter. break. Yeah, I, I, I was like, these chapters are so fun, like the names of all of them and everything like Doug Munch really like leaning into like old horror kind of tropes here and oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, because, yeah, it's very much I, I fucking loved it because it is very much like, hey, you know what? It's. It's not a. It's a it's an okay movie. It's definitely not his best, but never forget that Francis Ford Coppola did direct. Um, well, no, he produced it. He didn't direct it. Sorry, he produced it. Uh, Frankenstein with Robert De Niro. Yeah, and you know, so if he would have directed it, it, probably would have been a better movie. But like you know, in in that adaptation of of Frankenstein, it was much more true to the. The original like the mary shelley book and, and the monster in the mary shelley book is like he's like intelligent you know he can talk yeah. like he can like and he's very pissed about a lot of things you know and like yeah, sure and i thought that was like a great like callback that like well here's this like you know monster but he's not just this like he's actually very erudite you know like they're like yeah painting and like listening to classical music and things like right, that right. you know it's, it's just like it's such a like uh uh like gaslight um you know late victorian um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know like like these guys like like alan grant and kelly jones probably i think i can safely assume this about the both of them i bet they both watch doug, doug munch doug and Mu kelly jones oh, i'm sorry doug munch yeah that's right i'm sure uh both of them watched a lot of when they were younger uh old like vincent price movies you know oh yeah like white this zombie issue and has it feels like an old movie that you would catch on tell like when we were kids in the eighties and we'd catch an old movie on late at night when we weren't supposed to be watching television yeah. and some like, especially with the black and white cutscenes, it feels like, like a vintage universal yeah. monster movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It is so great. It was so like, like, man, no wonder Kelly Jones needed that, that month off. You need that month to do all the, all the chapter breaks. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So this is 38 pages. And I was like, uh, I didn't expect that. I just, I expected just a regular issue. 
And then Kelly Jones just coming out swinging like this. This book looks so good all the way through and it has such a distinct vibe. For the first time in a while, I felt like the colors were really helping the book Mm. instead of hurting the book, because we're in that awkward age of like the beginnings of digital computer coloring. Yeah. Yeah, So like some of it looks good. Some of it looks bad, like even page to page, panel to panel. But like this one, I felt like Kelly Jones just drew these like spooky, atmospheric, like mad scientist labs and stuff. And then they had them in black and white in the flashback. And I was just like, it just works. It just worked so well. Yeah, they really they really leaned back into the the theme. I know I've said it before, but I just I just love the themes of these books, you know, and and like mm-hmm. they really leaned it, you know, leaned right back into the like, yeah, I have Kelly Jones. Like, why not draw uh right uh Frankenstein's monster and a and a monkey who are teamed up? Like, yeah, those are the yeah, villains. Yeah. Like I it's also like really refreshing after reading all of the Batman legacy stuff. Oh God. Yeah. Because that stuff, like you were saying, it was like sliding off your brain. Like it was just, it was like superhero white noise kind of thing. Yeah. And it just like, for whatever reason, it just didn't hold up as well. And there was like a few good moments here and there in it, but like overall it was kind of like, why are we doing this kind of thing? Yeah. Um, And then to get this, which is like a single 38 page banger of a monster movie from Kelly Jones. I was like, yes, this is this is why I'm here. Yeah, this is why I'm here. Yeah. And you get like, you know, four to eight, depending, you know, extra pages, because like 32 little unders, like standard single. 22, 22 22? standard. I thought 32 was standard. 22 is standard. Yeah. Uh, 24, maybe back then but like Mm. they were playing with uh formats so this was considered like a i don't know if it's considered a quote-unquote double issue at 38 yeah but uh the book that i'm bringing to the two read pile was all uh 38 it's 12 issues 38 pages so it was like a monster you say 12 issues but it's really like more like 18 with all the extra pages yeah damn so yeah yeah uh so i guess dc uh like was not afraid to do this kind of stuff, like add a bunch of pages in if they thought that the story warranted it and, you know, they could charge a little bit more for it. I'm sure they were happy to do that. Yeah. 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 Hmm. yeah. But yeah, a banger issue. Hell yeah. Hell yes. It's like, it's, it's so, co- I mean, I just love it. It's so comic booky too. Cause it's just like, yeah, yeah. But have a super intelligent monkey. We're just drawing it. It's fine. You know, like <laughs> why, why not? <laughs> I just uh, I also I also liked your your quick description of uh, the monkey getting his heart broken. <laughs> oh yeah, he is rejected. <laughs> he is rejected. <laughs> Chapter the next. <laughs> that that I was thinking about this too when I was reading. Um, I read the outcasts for the two read pile, mm. and uh, we'll talk about it then. But when you have thirty eight pages an issue you really have a lot more space to like put in these little character moments. Like if this issue was 22, like that little bit about the monkey, cause cause the, the ape, like he learned to love or he like evolved. Yeah. Like they, they 
the the idea is that they were trying to create a missing link by devolving a human and evolving a monkey and then what they ended up with were just like two unique things that that were like these creatures of a mad scientist and like yeah it makes sense that the ape would be like you know what i have like a deeper compassion and a deeper love beyond my primal instincts yeah and so i'm gonna bring flowers to this ape in the zoo i'm like pick the pick the cage lock bring flowers and then the 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 other ape that's not evolved is going to yell at me because it's like what the hell am i doing with flowers yeah yeah (laughs) it's just such a good little character moment that like yeah absolutely would have been cut if this thing was shorter yeah totally totally uh, yeah they 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 let him go you know they had they gave him final cut you know yeah 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 Anyway, we should talk Shadow of the Bat. Batman, Shadow of the Bat, number 55, Standard Operating Procedure. Alan Grant is the writer, Rick Burkett doing the layouts, Klaus Janssen doing the finishes, Pam Rambo doing the colors, Android Images separating those colors, Bill Oakley is doing your letters, Jordan B. Gorfunkel is your associate editor, and Dennis O'Neill is your big guy editor. So we finally uh, real quick, mm. real quick, real quick yeah. before you jump in. Yeah. I do, I do want to say, I think the cover is Tommy Lee Edwards. I, it's a painted cover. Oh. I think it's Tommy Lee Edwards. Yeah. But I only vaguely recognize the signature. So I just wanted to add that. Yes. Real quick. Thank you. I can't believe I didn't write that down. Huh? Thanks for noticing that. Mm-hmm. So. We finally get to look in on the love life of Madeline Corbett and Bruce Wayne and Oh My Sweet Lord by George Harrison. Bruce Wayne has murdered Madeline Corbett. (laughs) That's what it looks like anyway, as Brucey is holding Madeline Corbett's corpse with a knife in his hand. And just like a true rich boy, he tries explaining his way out of it with the cops. It's not what you look like. It's a misunderstanding, you know, uh. Yeah, things don't look good, Bruce. Don't look good. While downtown, Bruce uses his phone call to talk to that caddy butler of his. He lets Alfred know that there was an important date that he needed to keep later tonight. Master Dick can handle it. Alfred says, I presume you didn't do it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Keep it bitchy and light, Alfred. Keep it bitchy and light. I love it. With that business taken care of, we're ready to get down to the interrogation. We got our favorite cigar-chomping crumb bum, Harvey Bullock, and Commissioner Jim Goddamn Gordon handling this high-profile case. Well, Mr. Richboy explains that he only went over there to calm her down. Well, if that was the case, why do they have a 911 call of Miss Corbett terrified, telling them that her boyfriend, Bruce Wayne, is going to kill her? Oh boy, still not looking good, Brucey. I can call you Brucey, right? <laughs> yeah, damn right I can. You're a fictional character. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> He's not public domain yet, Jason. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm coming for you, Batman. Coming for you. <laughs> Why was she so upset? Why did Bruce go over to her apartment if he barely knows her? Well, this is going to need a flashback and, you know, add in some Wayne's World noises here. <laughs> Right when Bruce is about to bat out, him and Alfred spot Madeline on the security cams. Alfred offers to give her the old heave-ho, but Bruce decides it's time to take care of this. 
So this nut bar Corbett fly is just flies through the door as soon as it's open, plants a huge smooch on Bruce before he can say anything. And she's coming on strong. I mean, legally we'd call that assault, I think. I'm not a comics lawyer though, so I don't know. She also If it, if it's not if it's not assault now, <laughs> it is three panels later. <laughs> yeah. So she just assumes that they're going to get married and she has a ring and she's like, we can be in Nevada by sundown. What a romantic maniac. Well, Bruce has had enough of this crap and he tells her to scram and she thanks him with a scream and fingernails across his pretty face. Yeah, (laughs) that's when he gives her the old (laughs) heave-ho. We got a different Batman listening in to the coroner what's cutting up Miss Corbett's body. He finds some useful clues. She mixed a bunch of antidepressants and booze. Plus, there's traces of plaster and paint on the hilt of the knife. I know this is Dick Grayson in the bat suit, but, like, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't it be funny if it was Jean-Paul Batman? I just... Oh, man. <laughs> think it'd be a funnier... Like, he'd get distracted by something or have a hallucination, do- and yeah, Bruce Wayne would, would not- be in jail for 25 years, like... Right, right. He wouldn't, he'd just like crash into the corner, just a flaming sword ready to go. Like, tell me all your clues. (laughs) And he's like, what? It's like, I just shit myself. (laughs) God damn. (laughs) So Nightwing, Nightwing Batman flips on the bat signal so as to get Bullock and Jim Gordon to leave the room for a minute. He passes off the info he's learned to uh, jailbird Bruce and grappling hooks away so he can keep Batman's important date. What's this important date? Well, there are some immigrant shopkeepers who are being shook down for protection money. That old chestnut. Standard low-rent goon stuff. The husband has gotten hold of a gun. America. Fuck yeah. He ain't, <laughs> he ain't gonna be bullied no more. He gets America. Solve, <laughs> solve problems with guns. And that always works out well. Yeah, every time. Well, the thugs come in and do their song and dance with baseball bats in hand. Shopkeep pulls the gun, but he's too shaky. He can't do it. And just as it seems a bad situation got worse, the shopkeep gets his gun batarangd out of his hand. And the lead thug gets dragged into the shadows. And I always love a good dragon into the shadows. It's very intimidating. Oh, yeah, man. That page was great. Batman Nightwing gets to work tuning up these goons, but good. He's just wrecking house the whole time. I mean, you know, shit. Like, Dick, what's your cardio workout, man? Like, that's... <laughs> yeah. Back in the interrogation room, Bruce lightly suggests that they check the knife for plaster and paint flex. It would prove that Madeline had used the wall in her kitchen to shove the knife in her chest. Damn, that's a brutal way to kill yourself, Madeline. Ah, shit. The story checks out. I mean, we all know Bruce didn't do it, but he's still, you know, a rich guy that got away again. Like, the hell? A weary Bruce makes his way down to Alfred, ready to pick him up, sad over the death of a clearly disturbed woman. He's still fucking Batman, asking if Dick would did what he asked. The Batmobile Tokyo drifts by, and Alfred replies, You can has, ask him yourself if I can catch up. Alfred, hit the NOS. Hit the fucking NOS, you coward. <laughs> the limo NOS. Yeah. <laughs> the end. What'd you, what'd you think of uh, Shadow of the Bat, 55? 
Uh, I really liked it. I, I've been kind of medium on shadow issues for a while now, but I really like this particular issue. The reason I like it is because Klaus Jansen is inking it and it looks fucking great and it's all like scratchy and beautiful and he's like making all the anatomy work and except for like maybe a couple of places, but, uh, largely it's just like visually very, very good. Um, so that helps. Plus, it's a self-contained murder mystery and uh, kind of like that uh, one of the Batman Adventures books where uh, Bruce got caught in the room with the dead body yeah. at the party and then like has to kind of figure out how, how the murder happened, like without revealing he's Batman. That issue was really great. This issue is really great. Bruce should get pulled in for on more murder charges <laughs> is what I'm saying. Because uh, they're really great stories as like the team kind of like tries to figure it out while Bruce is being interrogated. It's just quality stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There, It, it is very like like putting him in a situation that he can't like, uh, you know, punch his way out of is always. Right. Exactly. Is, is always going to be like more interesting because it's like it's like, oh, he's like cornered by like three like regular thugs it's like yeah okay fine yeah he's, yeah. he's just gonna beat him Whatever. up you know yeah yeah but it's like oh shit i my you know billionaire alter ego is caught holding a dead person with a bloody knife in his yeah. hand like and the the bit where uh you know nightwing dressed as batman is like okay here's here's the information i got from the coroner and then bruce wayne in the interrogation room is like Hey Bullock, have you thought about this? What if she held the knife to the to the to the door because it had paint flakes on it? Did you see that? And he's like, he's like, actually, that that sounds like it could check out. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, Bullock, he's solving the crime from the interrogation cell. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? That that's another one of those like suspension of disbelief things you know right because because sure. like if you're a cop in gotham and you and you and you're bullock and you you've personally talked with batman and you know how yeah. smart batman is and how good of a detective batman is and then you're sitting in this room with this rich guy with bruce wayne yeah. yeah 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 and then you're like wait a minute i'm not that like, dumb hold hold on hold on <laughs> All right, Batman, we'll look into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you didn't kill her only because I'm now convinced you're fucking Batman. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Like, totally. Uh, uh, but I I I think that the best part about this is that we don't have to deal with any more Madeline Corbett stuff. Like that subplot, she just kept hanging around and it's like they didn't know what to do with her. And they just decided, okay, we're going to do an issue where we kill her and then she's gone. So we don't have to like bring it up anymore. Yeah. We don't have to do anything with her anymore. It's, it's run its course. We're done. <laughs> yeah. It, to it totally, it totally just, yeah. It sounded like pulling the cord, you know, like you hit, you jumped out of the yeah. plane. Yeah. You hit that level of al altitude. Nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. You, you, no, you know what? Let's just <laughs> yep, yep. get out of here. Yeah. So I appreciate not having Madeline Corbett show up anymore because she wasn't really a compelling character. And it's like this stereotype of like, uh, she's crazy for Bruce Wayne. And it's, I'm like, ah, this is like kind of tiresome nineties garbage, you know, about 
how women are portrayed. Speaking yeah. speaking of tiresome 90, 90s garbage about how women are portrayed, mm. read a bunch of uh, Birds of Prey that came out around this time as well. Oh. I read um, there was like a four issue series and some of it, man, a lot of it's really great. A lot of it's really great because they're trying to do like a James Bond spy thing. Yeah. You know, but a lot of it is you could tell it's like Chuck Dixon sitting at his like computer being like, how do girls talk? And and like, there's a little bit of like, you go girl energy in there. That's just like really cringy. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> but mostly, mostly very good. Mostly very good. Worth the read, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's that like well-meaning, like, you know. Yeah. It's like in, in my head, because, you know, I'm the age that I am. This is just the reference. But in my head, it's like. It's like chasing Amy, right? It's like this straight white guy who grew up in the suburbs is writing a bisexual character and writing lines for right. lesbians and and to be and to be fair to like that movie, I guess, and Kevin Smith, like it wasn't that bad, really. But like yeah. also, it's to like, be fair to Chuck Dixon, yeah. not that bad with with Birds of Prey either. But it's it it's nineteen ninety six, and this is the best we have for this kind of representation. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's just one of those things where like, and, and again, I guess to be fair to the era, but like, you know, I don't know, maybe like talk to some people, you know, it's like, <laughs> Chase, may, come on, maybe, maybe, on. maybe find some like women who like, Hey, I'm going to, how does I'm this dialogue leave my house and find some women? No, no. <laughs> how, how does this, you're setting me up for disaster. How, how does this dialogue look? Does this look like you know, does this sound good to you? Does you know? Well, but. you know, eventually Gail Simone takes it over, and so I'm 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 yeah. reading to read to get to there. Basically. Yeah. 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 At any rate, Shadow of the Bat Fifty Five, very very good. Yeah, I dug it. I dug it. I I I didn't know how much I would. I didn't, I honestly, I'll be honest, I didn't expect to dig it as much as I did. But I, I yeah, me neither. But you know what? I this makes me think. Just quick aside, and we can move on. But like this reminds me that I actually should dig more into um, old romance comics because like I know all like the cliches of them. Yeah. But I've never actually like sat down and read any of them. You know. Yeah, neither have I. And like I, they they kind of like disappeared before we really started like reading comics. Yeah. And yeah. I think that a lot of the romance books these days, um, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever read really. I'm trying to rack my brain to think if I've really even read any romance comics. I don't think I have either, but I just love those old from like the forties and fifties, like just those like, you know, I'm, yeah, it, that, that's what like this, this book seemed to me like that it seemed to be like an old, like romance slash like EC, like, lighter sure. you know yeah like, yeah yeah you, you know wrong place wrong time kind of kind of thing sure that i just sure. really dug yeah we should probably read some more romance comics yeah at least give it a shot you know probably probably yeah detective comics 702 aka batman legacy epilogue just when i think i'm out they pull me back in <laughs> it's written by chuck dixon pencils by graham nolan scott's Scott's by Inks Hannah. <laughs> Inks by Scott Hannah. No, Scott's by Inks Hannah. That's that's his name now. <laughs> Colors by Gloria Vasquez. Seps by Android Images. Letters by John Costanza. Edits by Scott Peterson with associate edits by Darren Vincenzo. 
on the cover is Batman in a pile of corpses from the clench. Though not in the credits, you'll find a Sienkiewicz signature on the cover. This is Second Chances. Gotham City PD is mopping up all the, the combat from the previous issues of Batman Legacy, arresting racist men. However, Gotham's still fighting the clench, and this is something that Bruce Wayne can do better than Batman. There is a cure, but they're struggling to distribute it as Bruce Wayne gives money and resources to hospital systems. But he's disgusted by the level of death around him. He can't save everybody, and he's real pissed about that. Tim Drake tries to save a kid. He finds a child who was like abandoned in an alley by his mother. The ki- kid is clearly suffering from the clench. The mom is scared that she'll be infected, so she just abandoned him. Tim Drake scoops him up, gets him to the hospital, but it's too late. A child dies in this all ages comic book. <laughs> yeah, they take it hard. Brutal. They take it hard, but Alfred's like, y'all ding-dongs need to realize every face you see in Gotham from now on, like, was saved because of you. A cold comfort for the dead, Alfred. Meanwhile, (laughs) Commissioner Gordon and Sarah Gordon have gotten their groove back in their marriage the only way that you can, via violence. A group of racist men tried to break into uh, into the Gotham City Police Department in order to free their arrested comrades. After kicking their ass, Sarah and Gordon go home, but not to talk. <laughs> Jason, <laughs> what'd you think of Detective Comics 702? I I, I honestly like I I think it was like the one of the best issues out of all the freaking legacy shit, to tell you the truth. Oh man, really? Yeah. I I would have get I would have given it to um the issue where Robin absolutely fucks up the Louvre. That, that that issue was very fun. It was it was kind of terrible, but it was very fun. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard it's hard to compete with that. But I just I just liked it as like, you know, like 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 we'd been saying. It's like you know, it's like the whole arc was like a video game, or like you know, it didn't stick in my head. But like, sure, you know, but this like epilogue was like. Oh yeah, no, these guys are affected, you know, like they're trying, like a, like a kid died, like right. he tried to save a kid and he's like, I think there's a cure, yeah. there's a cure. I got him there in time. It's like, nah, sorry, man, you, you, you were too late. And like, just like the reality of like, of like, no, people did die from this, you know? And right. There's, there's been a couple of moments of Batman being like, you know, tired and like, you know, draping himself on something and being like. Oh, I succeeded today, but will I win next time? That, yeah. kind of, that kind of like silly stuff. Yeah. Like that doesn't have the same impact as like Bruce Wayne in the morgue where bodies are stacked up and they're like, we need cooling trucks because we don't have enough space for corpses. And Bruce being like, oh my God, like, did I win? Like, yeah, because this doesn't feel like a win. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even, you know, and like you said, like even Alfred, like trying to give them the, you know, and that's true too. It's like, yeah, you didn't save mm-hmm, everybody, mm-hmm. but you saved like a bunch of people and like, you should still feel proud that you saved a bunch of people. And it's like, well, yeah, but like, you know, I just thought that was a, because like, I'm, I'm sure that like, it's like doctors, right? Like, I'm sure there are doctors who have patients die on them when like they shouldn't have, or when they knew they were or like whatever. And they, and they also knew they tried everything that they could, but like, and they're doctors. So they also know that like this comes with the territory, but uh, Sure. I'm also sure that it doesn't get much easier, 
you know, like it doesn't, it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like, you know, you can't save all of them, but like, you know, you're still a human being for the most part, you know? And I just, I just thought it was really, I just thought it was really interesting that they actually brought some like, some like pathos to like the whole thing. You know? Right. Yeah. You don't, you don't just right at the when, end of when it. It's, right. When it's like Nightwing and Huntress fighting on a boat while Robin's trying to like hack Ra's server and the whole thing's going to explode in a fiery crash. And then like the Gotham city PD is like, yeah, mobsters are washing up on the shore. Read Nightwing number one. You're like, there's going to be no pathos here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or, or even, or even <laughs> like, you know, when like Bruce is like after jumping from vans and like, you know, freaking out some Scottish locals, like he's like in a fancy hotel room in a bathrobe, getting an update from Robin about fucking up the Louvre and like where he has to go yeah. next. Like you don't, you don't feel, you don't feel it there. And, and I, and I understand like as a writer, why you want, wouldn't want to put it there, like in those scenes or in between those sure. scenes necessarily. But like, you know, now it's just like, Oh yeah. Epilogue. We're sad. <laughs> it's like, that's the epilogue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 Gordon and Sarah patched up their marriage. That was they talked about it. They didn't know if they could could reconcile. And then once their lives were in danger and they helped each other, saved each other's lives, yeah. then they were like, oh, no, we'll be fine. Yeah. And the, man, I, I, I think I said it even last episode, but like last bad episode, but like it, it, it too, it's too bad that he aged out of it because, you know, Sam Elliott should have always been Jim Gordon. Oh, yeah. You know? Like just mustache. Oh, yeah. He would have been perfect. Must, perfect. Yeah, mustache, like deep voice, like steely eyes. Like Do you remember when Wizard Magazine used to do the fan casted yes. like stuff? Yes. So like so like I I really liked those when I was a kid, but I kind of only half knew these these actors and stuff because I was a kid, you know? Um Looking back now, now that we have like endless superhero like movies and t television and stuff like that, looking back at like in 1989, who did they cast for the Iron Man movie is like kind of fucking great. It's like a weird glimpse into like what could have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should. Yeah, I should. they're worth they're worth checking out. Yeah. Every time they crop up, I do. I, I do really like them. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to uh, to Batman and Robin Adventures 12. Yes. Batman and Robin Adventures, issue number 12. Ty Templeton is your writer. Brendan Cruz is your penciler. Rick Burkick is your inker. Roberta Tews is your colorist. Tim Harkins is doing your letters. Darren Vincenzo is associating the editor. And Scott Peterson is your big guy editor. To live and die in Gotham. Imagine Lust for a Life by the Stooges is playing as a young street tough is running away from a shopkeep. He's got some <laughs> he's got some bread in his hands and escape on his mind. This shopkeep is fast and grabs him by the coat. He's caught or is he? Nah, this sly dude tosses the stolen goods in the air, distracting the store owner for a second while he slips out of his jacket and makes his getaway. Nice moves, man. <laughs> this thief of Gotham, he doesn't have the same ring as like Thief of Baghdad, but you know, whatever, makes his way <laughs> to a condemned hotel, likely to have some lunch from his stolen goods. 
I'm sure there won't be any suspicious characters hole up in there, and holy shit, it's Bane, who this guy that we now know is named Giovanni calls Amigo. Amigo? Giovanni. Do you know how dangerous this guy is? Holy hell. Bane has the shakes, and this guy is helping him through it. Giovanni, you're a prince. He just lets Bane sleep. Or more for our benefit, he flashes back and shows us how the heck we ended up here. Inside Flashbacksville, we see a bloody and beaten Bane crumpled on Rupert Thorne's desk, a victorious Batman standing over him. Giovanni wants him to listen to the tape to remember. Bane doesn't want to remember, but it looks like our man G has a tough love approach to getting clean. Still in Flashbacksville, we see it was Bane's main squeeze. Bane? Bane squeeze? Can we make that a Bane squeeze? Is that anything? No. Bane squeeze? Bane, is Bane no, squeeze? That's not, that's not a thing. Okay, okay. His main squeeze and assistant to Thorn, Candace, that was in cahoots with Bane to try and take out Thorn's business. Well, Rupert wasn't having any of that. He's not going to kill his number two, though, but he's going to make her watch his boys kill Bane. And that's some sick shit, Rupert. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Pretty dark. Giovanni is guiding him through the pain of the past, the pain of getting to the absolute tar or venom in this case, beaten out of him. Candace watches and doesn't seem to care anymore. And Thorne's lazy goons just leave him after the beating, assuming that he's dead. Hey, assholes, what am I paying you for? You check a pulse after I order you to beat a man to death. Like, <laughs> the, the state of henching these at days. Least, at least be thorough. Yeah, I can't find a good henchman these days. What the hell? Giovanni sees someone in need of help and helps him out. It seems Mr. Giovanni is a recovering addict himself and wants to do a solid for his new amigo. Very admirable, G. Very admirable. Bane is reinvigorated by this memory. It gives him the strength to do what needs to be done. Go get it, man. Clean and sober. Hell yeah. Wait, no, hold on. You're still Bane. Should we be encouraging this? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if Bane's the poster child for sobriety. Uh, yeah. Or, or, <laughs> Bane or encouragement for that matter. <laughs> yeah. Bane jumps Rupert and Candace as they're leaving the opera. Just housing two goons like there's so many Koopa Troopas. Thorns in his limo and he's like, drive, 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 drive. And it's not his driver or the Lord, but it's our good pal Giovanni who's behind the wheel. With Thorn kidnapped, shit is popping off in Gotham's underworld, which, let's be honest, is just their world. Robin is rooftop retconning as, uh, reconning <clears throat> as Batman swoops in for an update. Nothing much, just the same old commotion. Batman swoops back away to do Batman things, I suppose. Robin is surprised by Bane, and he tries to make his move, but, well, he's, he's Bane, man. <laughs> like, he, he... Right. It's, it's that moment in, like, the regular Bat books where Tim Drake shows up and then Raish comes out of the elevator, and then Tim Drake's like, Oh shit, we're all, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get messed up, huh? And Nightwing's like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he catches that little bird's leg kick attempt, but he doesn't want to hurt the boy. He's here to make amends. Good for you, Bane, following some of those 12 steps. Bane swears that he does not wish to harm him or Batman, that he is done with those ways. If Robin wants proof, Bane leaves an address of where they can meet him 
and he'll show Bats proof of how sorry he is and how he's changed. An appearance by the best Batmobile ever, screeching around a corner to this abandoned hotel, Bane is holding Rupert Thorne's taped-up head outside the window, screaming, He is reborn! He is Bane no longer! Some, uh, some big theater kid energy there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bane's full of that. <laughs> Bane blames all of his problems on the venom clouding his mind, but now he sees clearly. He's going to show Batman how much they are alike. He's going to kill Thorne for Batman, which, as we all know, is not something that Bats likes. Bane, or whatever he wants to be called now, is offended. Batman sends Robin to run up the stairs while he tries to take a more direct approach. We get a nice little heart-to-heart with Bane and Giovanni, where G G tries to convince Bane that he's got to believe in life, like it's why he helped him out and saved him. Like, you you can't kill this guy. And, you know... Bane, but Bane seeks forgiveness by handing over a corpse, which is <laughs> his way of doing things. When you when you lay it out, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you say it like that, <laughs> just as as he's about to give Thorn ye old broken back treatment, Giovanni whacks him on the back of the head with a lead pipe. Bane is feeling betrayed again. The dude is losing it. Like, let your friend who helped you out, like, helped you get clean, help you out, man. But, you know, better get up there quick, Bats. And as he does, he deftly positions the best Batmobile ever. (laughs) Because remember, remember, I just want to reset the scene. Robin's running up the stairs. Batman's thinking of taking a more direct approach, okay? And he hears all this commotion going on in this abandoned hotel and he positions the best Batmobile ever and fires his goddamn ejection seat in the goddamn air and then grappling hooks his way into the building. Oh yeah. It's so good. (laughs) Swinging full force into Bane's solar plexus as he shouts all around me is betrayal all around. That's so good. Big again, big theater kid energy. Yeah. Yeah. Giovanni, now out of Bane's grasp, slips out just as Robin is busting through the door. Robin tries to catch him, but he got fooled by the old jacket slip, just like the shopkeep. Ah, well, Dick, you win some, you lose some. Batman remarks that Bane's friend left him to face the kidnapping charges alone. Bane, ever the drama queen, corrects him. I have no friends, only enemies. Aw, Bane the uh, end of Batman and Robin Adventures issue 12. What'd you, what'd you, what'd you think of it? Banger issue, Jason. Uh, the flashback scenes are actually the very end of season three, episode one of Batman, the animated series. Uh, the episode is called Bane. It is one of the Bane shows up a couple of times again, but only as cameo uh, characters. He shows up in uh, on the animated series it shows up in the episode Over the Edge, which is a uh, amazing episode. If you only watch one episode of Batman the Animated Series, that is the episode to watch. Really? It's a uh, yeah. Scarecrow doses uh, Batgirl and then she goes into a coma. Oh, and we're, yeah, in, were-, we're in the world where like her worst fear is realized. And like Gordon at one point, like Batgirl's in this world, Batgirl dies Gordon unmasks her and is like, oh, my God, it's my daughter. And then he puts the full weight of the GPD like 
at Bruce Wayne. And then like to in order to catch Batman, he frees Bane to just basically fuck him up on a rooftop. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so so there's that little bit in there. And then he has another uh, in a crossover episode with Superman where Brainiac takes control of Bruce Wayne. So there's no more Batman anymore. And then Superman is like, why is there no more? Like, this is weird. What happened to Bruce? And then Robin kind of lets him in on what's going on. And Batman's like, I'm going to handle this. And then he's like, oh, we got this other thing to do. And so Superman dressed as Batman confronts Bane, the Mad Hatter and the Riddler. And Bane drops an Easter Island like head on him on the on Batman thinking, well, I got him like <laughs> pack it up. And then Superman just like cr- the head cracks open and he just steps out of there. Uh, it's so good. It's so, so good. That's amazing. Um, so those are the only uh, Bane episodes, but uh, this one is the extension of the his full featured episode, and they uh, didn't really want to use Bane that much on the animated series because Bruce Tim and Paul Dini, I think they went on record and said that they didn't actually really like Bane. And you got to keep in mind, like, you know, we're do- we're doing the the main Bat books, and like. Bane was introduced in, you know, Nightfall, Night's Quest, yeah. Night's End. Yeah. So he's a relatively new character and they really didn't like like this new character coming in and like kicking Batman's teeth in. Yeah. They just they felt like it wasn't earned, you know, whatever. So they didn't really like put him on the show that much. And so to see Bane have an extension of the episode that he was in in this canon in this universe i think is is kind of a special thing that like we don't necessarily like we wouldn't normally get with like just watching the cartoon but it like rewards you if you're a fan of the cartoon a fan of the comic it's expertly drawn it's really great ty templeton did the cover uh yeah man i this this thing is so good i i really was playing uh lust for a life in my head when i was like rereading it especially <laughs> just because like the very beginning just very like much reminded me of train spotting you know um yeah but like it, it just kind of blew my mind that it was like a really well told uh story about a re- about a recovering addict trying to help an addict going through right. withdrawal and but it was very true to like you know just like from from what i know about that stuff and like you know loved ones like that i have who have like been through that i'm like oh it's it's really it's just, it's just like i was just like surprised like it like we say all the time in this in this fucking kids book in this book right. that's like yeah d- meant for younger audiences like geared right more towards way younger audiences than like the typical bat books are you know even though the the mm-hmm. typical bat books are supposed to be like all ages and I do love how, like, it also does just go to show that, like, you know, you could, like, Rupert Thorne's a very fucked up man. It's a very terrible. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, like, you don't need, like, hyper violence to have this, like, very, like, psychotic, like, crime boss. Like, you don't need to show all these, like, gangland shootings or whatever, or things like that. He's just, sure. like, he's just like, yeah, no, uh, you betrayed me. So I'm going to have them watch, uh, you know, you're just going to have to watch my goons beat your boyfriend to death. And that's going to be your punishment. Yeah. It's like, that's, 
fucked up, man. Like on so many yeah, levels. Real, real terrible. And I felt like they gave Thorne a little bit more teeth in the comics when he showed up mm. in the animated series. You know, there there's uh, more policing happening with like network sensors and things like yeah, that. Yeah. So like Thorne never comes across as like somebody really formidable in the animated series. But in this, he seems like a crazy person, a sociopath. Like, yeah, he is like not to be messed with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just makes me think of like, I mean, th- th- this is this is definitely like way, way further, um, you know, n- not at all meant for children. But it just made me think of this thing of like, you know, I've always read a lot and trying to get back to my level of reading that I used to be at with with um, with books. But like, mm-hmm. I remember being in high school and like, of course, any teacher loved seeing a kid reading. And I, I remember like I would be in the halls and I was reading uh, at one point I was reading a clockwork orange. Cause like I, wa- I wanted to read it, you know, I was like 15, sure. I think like 15 or 16. And like a couple of teachers like knew they're like, Oh wow. That's a, you know, but Oh wow. Look at, but most of them were like, Oh, look at this kid reading. It's like, do you know what's in here? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, but I, you know, I don't know, 15, you're hovering on the age of being like, okay with that kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> you yeah, just, yeah, you know, yeah. But, but hovering, hovering. Yeah. But like, even in this book, like men, like for, like, I'm sure if like, you know, a 10 year old was reading this, they wouldn't like, it wouldn't like sink yeah, into right, them exactly. just how like messed up that is. Like they just know that he's right. the bad guy. You know, right. He's like, the bad guy. And like, this is bad. Like, you know, you move on. Yeah. The addiction stuff doesn't really play into a kid reading it. Yeah. The, you know, the the compassion for for another person, let alone your boyfriend. Yeah. Like being beaten to death in front of you. Like that doesn't really play into it because they don't have the, the reference for that. The only other thing I want to say is that I really appreciated Bane just like staying in his lane. And being lifting Rupert Thorne to give him the backbreaker and being yelling louder, scream his name because he wants him to scream Batman's name yeah, yeah. because he's doing it for Batman instead of saying scream my name as he breaks Batman's back, you know? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I, I appreciate that. He's like, look, this is my thing. I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> hey, man, you got sometimes you got to shut up and play the hits. You know, right. Exactly. You know, exactly. Like, like, like people, like people don't go to see blue, blue oyster cult to like not hear them play. Don't fear the reaper. Right. Right. It's like when it's like when Joker shows up in a Robin book with a crowbar, you're like, oh, okay, let's see where this goes. Yeah. Yeah. I I know where I know what's going to happen. I love this. Or 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 you think you know what's going to happen, but then the camera pulls out and it's Joker in a forged and fire challenge and he has to make a knife out of that crowbar. (laughs) It's like, how did I end up here? Uh Well, you know what? How did I end up? You know what? I'm going to win this thing if I have to kill everyone in this room. (laughs) Yeah. With a knife made from this crowbar. But I have to get to forging. (laughs) uh so no more stingers of course but uh i will quick note there was an obituary for mike parobeck in this issue uh it was uh very heartfelt very sweet um talked about how mike 
was not necessarily like a trailblazer. He did, um, by the way, he did most of the Gotham adventures, Batman adventures, yeah. the first volume. Yep. Um, incredible artist, really dynamic poses, like really interesting shots. Um, I can't say enough good things about him. Paul Dini accepted an Eisner for him, apparently, for the work on Batman Adventures. Paul Dini wrote Mike Parobeck's last script that he drew. He was saying that, like, his work finally, like, broke through to the masses. And unfortunately, his life was cut short. He had complications with diabetes, I think. Yeah. Um, it's sad. It's tragic. But there's a wonderful obituary in the back of this issue. Yeah. So if you pick this up in paper, not in trade paperback, you can get to read that. Hell yeah. So stiff competition this month. Best bat book. What do you think it is? Ooh. <clears throat> they were all like pretty good in their own right. Yeah. I'm, but I'm going to I'm going to have to give it to the to the Kelly Jones and and batman my man like I, I i can't like the you know the batman and robin's adventures was great you know yeah but like holy shit it's like the batman book was just just a little bit yeah better just slightly batman, better you know the kelly jones batman book had so much you like sink into the vibe of that book and then it's got 38 pages so they can they can really play with the characterization. So it, it kind of gives it an edge that the other books don't have, like just by just being more. Um, but yeah, I feel like that book was fantastic. But Shadow of the Bat was also great. And Batman and Robin Adventures 12 was also fantastic. But yeah, it's got to be it's got to be Batman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the books were actually pretty good you know like shadow was pretty yeah was pretty good i really dug that like you know yeah de detective the epilogue was like yeah it's all right yeah yeah not bad yeah exactly yeah. I, I, like i said i think like one of the best out of the whole freaking arc you know august 96 the bat office is firing on all cylinders yeah yeah it's hard to do man it's like it's like 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 hitting the cycle or something like that in baseball like just <laughs> you know i laugh because i have no idea what that means i'm pretty sure it's when you in a single game a player you don't you don't need to you don't we don't need to get jason we don't need a, to get a, a player hits a home run uh gets what in the same game home run a single a double and a triple this has already slid off my brain <laughs> let's just wrap this thing up <laughs> you want you want to talk more about baseball no i don't i do not want to do that Jason, mm. where can people find you? Oh, they can find me in a hole deep in the ground. <laughs> and Dig long enough and you'll find me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I ain't gonna tell you. I ain't gonna tell you where I am though. You're gonna have to work for it. You want you want my company. You have to work for this shit. They they can find me on the Twitters. I'm still I'm still addicted to that damn damn thing. At yeah, the, at, 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 it's at, hard to quit. At King of Black Acid. Uh, 
and also at world's second finest, if I can ever remember the the things I'm supposed to do. Jason, <laughs> Jason low-key, we should probably talk about this off-pod, but should we abandon that Twitter? <laughs> I don't, I don't, maybe, I, we're not really using it. I, I don't know. We should figure it out. Yeah. You know what? Give, give me, give me, uh, give me next Sunday and I'll cook, I'll cook, I'll cook something up and we'll see what happens and we'll see if I can uh, keep, I thought, keep up with it. I thought you were going to say, give me $500 and you can have this. Any listener, <laughs> give me $500 and I'll give you the password for world second finest. <laughs> <laughs> or that too. You know what? I'm down with that. I'm down with it. Let's, let's get some chaos in here, man. Let's see what happens. You can find me at Nick Phil. Uh, usually I respond pretty quickly to Twitter and blue sky a uh, little less quickly with Instagram. I actually logged into Instagram the other day and I had a very sweet message from a, a writer I did a variant cover for. And I was like, oh, this was like three weeks ago. I am so sorry I ghosted you, too. But uh, you can find me uh, all of my links for everything. Discord and everything. Discord's the best way to get in touch with me on my Discord. Uh, you can find everything at linktree.com slash nickphil. Um, links for everything will always be up there and it'll always be current. So if you're listening to this episode way in the past, maybe some new links. Maybe... I've made a new social media site for for comic book comic book people. I don't know where I'm yeah, going with this. Yeah, maybe, Jason, maybe, this. May, maybe we brought Tom back out of retirement and, and oh, there we go. There's the joke. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Ending it on a sigh. <laughs>